How's that? One. One. You. How is it now? Okay, great. So as I was saying, uh, when I was first learning how to meditate for several years, until another teacher taught me this, his name was Barry Kaufman, I would allow external noises to disturb my meditation. What he taught me was a simple trick, and that was to give myself the auto-suggestion that every sound I hear takes me deeper. As I start to meditate, I, I will always say to myself, every sound takes me deeper. That, that self-suggestion is amazing. I so resisted this idea <laughs> that when I was with him with a class of 40, I said, never work. So he had me get into the middle of the room and lay down. And he said, start meditating. We'll give you time to settle into the self-suggestion. Your job is to simply stay in the meditative state. Well, let me tell you, they began such a ruckus in that room <laughs> that in the midst of that, I was able to meditate. And so the, the beauty of this is, is that it, it no longer became an excuse for me not to meditate. You know, It's too noisy, it's too this, it's too that. And so once a meditation practice is established, you can meditate anywhere. You can meditate anywhere. Okay? So um, this workshop is not driven by me. The, the only purpose I have is to be here with you and what is active and alive in the room in the form of questions. Now, what happens is when you ask me questions, stuff just comes up and I get to speak. Okay? And so this is um, questions, answers, and maybe dialogue. Okay, active disagreement is fine, all right? Because sometimes in that disagreement, we can rise to a different level of understanding. And so um, what I share with my students is uh, we all have a choice of where to give our tithes. I give tithes back to my students in the form of scholarships because this, this environment, the environment in which I work, that's where I'm spiritually fed. Okay, so um, I'm honored to be here with you, and my job is to be with you here as clearly as I possibly can. So, who wants to get the ball rolling? Ha-ha! Okay, the music I played is by a composer named Michael Hope. Michael Hope. Michael, and the, the CD is Solace. There are four tracks I use when I teach classes, and um, every one of those, the whole album is good, but those four are the best. And I haven't found anything better for the purpose of op opening heart. Okay? Yes? Uh, I was going to ask you, um, you said there's no, you can't Yes. Well, if someone's speaking at you, that's a whole different thing. Right, so, yeah, so, so in those, and, and someone is trying to speak to me when I'm meditating, that's my job to say, we, 
to, that either, either I give them the attention they need in that moment or I ask them to give me the space and we'll have the, the question, the, the conversation later. Okay? Yes. So I, I won't say that anymore because that's true. If someone is at me, it's, it's difficult. Well, with, with two people, no problem for me. With two people, no problem at all. What, 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 what I hook in myself is I get involved in their conversation. Okay? Well, that is no different than my getting involved in my internal conversation when I meditate. So I don't make them different. And so when I find I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get hooked into an external conversation, I go right back to my mantra. When I find I'm at the external, back to my mantra. When I find an internal conversation, back to my mantra. When I hear the dog barking, back to the mantra. You see what I'm saying? And so that, it's only when someone's trying to speak to me directly that, I, that it doesn't work for me. Okay? So here's the deal. Don't make it different. Don't make two people different from 40 people. You see what I'm saying? Because as soon as I define it as different, then when I say I can't meditate when there's two people talking near me, guess what? You can't meditate when there are two people near you. See? It, the trick is, is, is to make it all the same. Make all the external stuff the same. And all it is is I've moved from my mantra. And when I notice, as soon as I notice I've moved from my mantra, the technique is just to go back to your mantra. And in fact, hearing the noise or hearing people speaking is as much as a part of the meditation practice as the mantra. Okay? My monkey mind, that's part, of the, that's part of the practice. That's what's so cool about it. You know, I, I didn't really get how to meditate until I learned transcendental meditation because all the previous uh, instructors I had said I had to quiet my monkey mind. <laughs> all I could do was laugh. I said, you got to be kidding. You know? I don't think it's possibly to, possible to effort Quieting the monkey mind. Quieting the chatter. Okay? Yes? Yeah. Well, if you carry it, that's fine. If you have it, that's great. That's great. If you have it with you all the time, fantastic. You know, I carry... No, no, but it keeps. No, it does not. It does not quiet the inner voices, but it does help muffle the external voices. Yeah, yeah. And if you haven't, dis- you know, if, if you're having trouble with the outer noise, I got to tell you, I, I put off spending $300 on these earphones for years. I just bought a pair of noise-canceling earphones by Bose. And they have them now that they're little earbuds. Holy cow. I mean, you don't even have to be playing music. You put it on, and it works. So I was, you know, those, I was in a puddle jumper coming here. And, you know, you know what, those little airplanes. And they, it's like, nothing. Nothing, nothing. So if that's a challenge, that's one way to get over it. Yes. Darkness and light. and light. 
I so like to start with the easy questions. Yeah, you know, you know, and the short answer ones. Okay, so this is what's really cool for me. For me. And, and of course, you're going to have to choose it for you. Let me, can I do one little aside? Okay, one little aside. Okay. You're welcome. I mean, that's probably one of the most fundamental questions. And for me, unity provides the most logical, and I would call it self-evident. You know, I'm going to share this with you, and I really think you're going to get it. Okay. Yeah, for me, that's a short drive. <laughs> okay, so um, I, I got this concept out of, actually out of um, Wired magazine. So um, there's been some studies done, and we all show up to a workshop like this with a belief system, and it really is a little bit like that. Okay? <laughs> right? I didn't say it, Okay? I'm a minister, okay? Okay, and then there is wiggle room in that belief system, okay? That we can expand from what we currently hold is true, we can expand. And that they call the adjacent possible. Okay, then anything that's out here, for you, if you're here, is not possible at this time. And so if you hear me saying something and, and you're having a strong reaction internally, we're probably ending up out here. At that point, your job is simply to breathe and listen and let it be okay. Because the interesting thing is what they found is, is that if you try to go here, what happens is you strengthen this and you re-entrench here and then your adjacent possible becomes smaller. Okay, and what we're what we want to be about is expanding the possibility, the adjacent possibility out, 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 out. Are you with me? Okay, so I might say some things that are pretty edgy, or you've heard them for the first time and it's hard to digest. Normal, okay. Are you with me? Okay, so the big question. Let's see if I got it. Light. Dark, good, evil, where's God? Is that, does that sum it up okay? Yeah. Okay, would you like to add anything? Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he does seem lost sometimes, doesn't he? Where is God? Where did he go? <laughs> okay, good, okay. So, so this is a basic question, okay? So let's deal with this crazy ones first, because that, that's the craziest. The identification of light being the good stuff and dark being the bad stuff. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible... God precedes light. Right? Because God said what? That there be light. And did you, did you notice that that light is not 
this light because a little later on, according to the story, God creates the sun and the moon, right? So in the beginning, God creates light. So, so God, if we take it all literally, is darkness. You get it? God, and so in that sense, God, in, in darkness, what we really mean is God is that infinite void of pregnant potential. The infinite void of pregnant potential, okay? And that it has, has no light in the way in which we get it. Now, when we say, when God said, okay, now we're sticking in the mythology. Is that okay with you? Because that's what that's what usually enters the room here. Because we all have our embedded theology. So, in unity, this light, let there be light, means understanding. Let there be understanding. Yes? Uh, understanding it will include awareness. Okay? We can put that there. Includes awareness. However, this understanding is more like a capital A awareness. It's more like divine understanding. Okay? It's always good, it's a good practice when we sit down to pray, we, we, we first confirm, let there be light, let there be understanding. Let there be that divine awareness. Okay? So, so there's that. So, in this light-dark stuff, God is the dark that makes light possible. So, how are we doing with that? Okay? Okay. Okay. So, then, there's good and evil. There's where's God. So, we're, you know, and there's the devil. Or evil. Okay? You know. Devil, evil. What? Oh. It looks like you've lived. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that would be true. And that God is a dog. Okay. Now that we got that established. <laughs> and the cats, that's because they know. <laughs> You don't see millions of dog videos on the internet. You see millions of cat videos on the internet, and there's a reason. Okay, so so where would you like me to go first? This this by nature has to go go last, but but where is God, God, and good and evil? Okay, we'll do that. Can we have the diagram? Oh, actually, it's probably there. It's just that it's not. Okay, okay. So, in order to really. Yeah, neither do I. Okay, here he comes. Ah, see, someone has the computer brain cell. Oh, view. Aha, zoom. Ah. Ah. Okay, a bit of hero worship. Thank you. 
Yeah, that's great. Because you can see it in the back now, right? No? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, you know, it's really cluttered. And I usually build this from zero on a charcoal, but we're going to avoid that. So in a unity context, okay, disclaimer. What I'm sharing with you is Paul Hasselbeck's understanding, okay, of the teachings of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore. Now, it's not their whole range of teachings because it's hard to get your handles on, handle on that. So I focus on their more absolute realm teachings. So that, that's uh, the, the uh, like oneness and things like that, okay? So in, in unity, a lot of our unity services begin, there is only one power and one presence in the universe, God the good omnipotence. Have any of you heard that? Okay, all right. And most uni people hear that from their embedded theology. <laughs> and I think in their heads it sounds like this. There is only one power and one presence in the universe, God the good, omnipotence, and I'm not it. Okay? Okay? One power or one presence means tag your it. Okay? <laughs> and, and it's also difficult for us to separate. You're going to get handouts, folks, on this. Yeah, you're going to get this, right? Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, I well I keep talking. Okay. You might get it in black and white, but that's fine. It'll work. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay, Say, keep, keep talking. Avoid the woman behind, no, ignore the woman behind the computer. <laughs> That's sensation. Sensation, okay? And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain some of this to you. But the, con the, the problem that happens is that we are so into our embedded theology that we don't get that the question, where is God, really has no relevance in a unity context. Okay? Because in our embedded theology, there's a God that's a deity, an entity, a person, a super something that lives someplace called heaven far away. Okay? I mean, you guys maybe don't believe that, but you, you've heard that before, haven't you? Okay? Right? I mean, we live in a society that believes this. You can't watch a movie or a TV or hear your neighbors speak without some of this bleeding into your mind, right? And so when we say there's only one power, one presence, and we say it's omnipresent, we mean it's everywhere totally present. Key word there is totally. That, that this divine, whatever it is, however we want to define it, is everywhere totally present. So the divine is totally present here at Mark. It's totally present here at Crystal, at me, at Barbie. There's, there's not a piece of God here and a piece of God there. And when we get it all together, then we have the totality of God. No, in this concept, the totality of God is everywhere present. Well, how can we understand that? 
Well, we define God as principle. Have you heard that? God is principle. Besides meaning God doesn't change, when you think about something like the principles of mathematics, aren't they everywhere totally present and available? Of course. Okay, right? They're everywhere. That, that's how the divine is. Everywhere totally present and available. The, the principles of electricity are always everywhere totally present and available. If they weren't, we couldn't light or heat the sanctuary. We'd have to run around, collect them somehow to, to use them. Are you with me? So the divine is non-local, if you want to use a quantum physics term. It cannot be localized. It's not in time or space. So asking where God is, it becomes an irrelevant question. You see? When, when in the service, I shared that slide of uh, Fillmore's quote that that we are all that God is, that's what that means. So if we define God as love, the totality of love is available and present at the point of you and as in fact is you. We're just using little bits of it. Okay? So how are we doing so far? Any questions about that? Okay, and so the way this is diagrammed here, this absolute realm is the divine that big orange circle, okay? And it really has no limitation, okay? And everything else that we're aware of floats in it somehow. Floats in it somehow. How are we doing with that? Okay? So Fillmore said something else that was brilliant. I'll say it the way he did, and then I'll amp it up. He said, there is only one power. However, there are two ways to use power. And one was to use it in hate, and was, one was to use it in love. Okay? What I say is there is, there is only one power, and each of us chooses how we use it. There is only one power, and each of us chooses how we use it. Power as a principle, that is, God has no preordained way for you to use it. It doesn't tell you how to use it, doesn't recommend how you use it, doesn't get mad if you use it in the worst possible way. No instructions. No instructions. Okay? And we speak of divine as divine mind and divine ideas. You know that? You know that? Okay. Yes, the dry air is getting to me. Yes. Okay, great. And that we all have this energy coming to us. Yes. And, and it gets conditioned by who we are. Okay, so, so the reason why I don't use simply the word energy for God as a synonym, because energy is really of the relative realm. 
because we can measure it. The divine's not measurable because it's not in time or space. But we could speak metaphorically of spiritual energy, then it becomes a great, great metaphor. Right. And I'd like to invite you into that energy doesn't come to us, but that we are the energy that we use to express. Okay? Because when, when we say energy comes to us, we act as if it's not here already. And, and then we get into that separation stuff. Okay? That's not to say there isn't energy here and here and here or spiritual energy. It's just that why would I ask her for her spiritual energy if I have all of it here? Why would I ask her for love when I have all of it here? Is that making sense? Okay? And so when we think of the divine as not a person, not an, not an entity, not a superman, but as principle or as idea, and then that we're the users of those ideas, then we can get a clear, clear idea how we get good and evil. Okay? How many of you remember from the 70s Star Wars? Okay? What was their word for, for the God? The force. Now, did any of you notice that Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't say, Luke, let the force use you? Did he? No. He, what did he say? Use the force. Wow, you see, that flips it. That's radically different from the way in which we were raised. We're raised that God uses us. You know, to use that song, use me, oh God. That's old theology <laughs> and bad singing. <laughs> See? That's the bad use. <laughs> okay? Are, are, are you, are, are you tra- I'm going to keep asking, are you tracking? Because each concept kind of builds on the next. Okay? Yes? Yeah, well, and see, th- that, that's another very interesting concept, okay? Because what force was Vader using? The exact same force. What determined its use? The each individual, right? Right, each individual, how they used it. Is it making sense? Okay. And it's translated. <laughs> yes, isn't this great? Yes, yes, yes. Use the force, Luke. No, see? And Fillmore, bless his sweetheart, as crazy as he can be in some of his writings, he said that in 1923 in the first healing conference ever given at Unity headquarters when it was in downtown Kansas City. In that first lecture, or the first healing conference, he says to the attendees, you use God. Have you ever thought of that? That God is your servant. Whoa! That's radical. It's radical today. Okay? Just think how radical it was back then. And frankly, I think the reason why we don't see the results from prayer that they saw then because we've reverted to letting God use us. 
because we're vessels for God. We have forgotten that we have dominion, that we are these divine ideas, and we are the users of them. You have a question? Yes. Yes. Okay, great question. So first of all, you, you don't see me capitalizing when I'm speaking. And so when I refer to that truth, it's capital T truth. And since we seem to be living with, in our conscious minds in the physical realm, what we call capital T truth will always be changing, okay, at some level. Because my awareness of the divine shifts as I become more aware of my divinity. However, the things I do become aware of should not be changing. Okay, because if, they're, if, if the, what should be changing is the amount I understand, you see the difference? <laughs> so so the, the, the capital T truth I became aware of 15 years ago should still be true today in some way. What has changed is I've added truth to it because the divine in this model doesn't change. What changes is my awareness of it. Okay? And so truth is a is a quicksand word for a lot of people. Okay, and so uh, if 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 you find that word, you use that to trigger yourself, then you need to find another word. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course. Yeah. Oh, B1. Hmm. We could do a... No. We could, we could do... You could do a whole series of lessons on Star Wars. Because... Um, what's his name? George Lucas was very much into Eastern theology. Okay? And ta- everyone take a deep breath. Take another deep breath. Okay, so here it comes. <laughs> Unity's God is an Eastern God in Christian clothes. Okay? Yeah, so not such a big deal for you guys. Okay? It's an Eastern God in Christian clothes. Okay? Because we live in a Christian context. And Fillmore was in love with the Bible and had uh, some regard for Christianity and simply simply um, changed it. I, I noticed at the end of your prayer, that's all, at the end of one of your prayers, you said, thank you three times, didn't you? Do you know why you do that? Why? Okay, is that why you do it here? Trinity. 
Fillmore said you do that based on the Trinity. A and he said something even cooler. He said, he said uh, and it was more in regards to affirmations. He said, we say affirmations six times. We say it three times for Father, Son, Holy Ghost for our bodies, and we say it three times silently for Father, Son, Holy Ghost for our minds. Okay? Now, he didn't believe in that, that trinity as we're taught it. His trinity was mind, idea, expression. Mind, idea, expression. That's the metaphysical interpretation. It, well, and you could go there with it too. But, and it's another trinity. Okay? Where was that train when I... Oh, I know where I wanted to go. Okay, any more questions? Yes? Yes. Yes. I have my way. <laughs> some think it's good and some thinks it's not so good. Okay, so, so first of all, one of the basic problems we have in language, English language, is God is the name we have in the English language for a male deity. It's unescapable. So I'm a great advocate in finding other words. Okay, If you find your use of the word God pulls you into your embedded theology, I really urge you to stop it. Because what you do is, you're, you're trying to get traction in this idea of oneness and divine mind, and every time you say God, you're back to your embedded theology, okay? Now, please don't tell people that I said you cannot use the word God, because <laughs> there's plenty of people who transcend that understanding, okay? However, when you're communicating with somebody and you use the word God, guess where they're likely to go? The, you're, you are probably the catalyst for them activating their theology. Okay, so is your question related to her question? Yes, Okay, that to me is one step. Okay, especially if you're coming in from your embedded theology. So thank you, Mother, Father, God. However, I've got to share with you, you already know I have a little bit of a warped sense of humor, right? Okay, so just, just caution you. Okay. So I'm a biologist in training, okay? So the first time I sat in a unity church and the minister said, thank you, excuse me, it's still funny to me, thank you, Mother, Father, God. My first response was, I'm going to use non-minute, holy crap, do they think God's a hermaphrodite? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I went, Okay. Now, I, and I've, I've gotten more open-hearted over the years, okay? I've learned that being rigid and insisting you believe like I do doesn't work, okay? So I just offer this stuff to you now. So what I know from my working with women, it is sometimes very important to make the father-mother-god step and for others to go completely goddess for a while, Okay? So, so that they can heal some of that other stuff, all right? So, it's, so if it's appropriate to say God, it's got to be appropriate to say goddess because God is neither, okay? 
And while we're on mother, father, God, in unity, it's not that God is father or that God is mother. We say like father, like father, like mother. What we mean by that is we're identifying traits in the divine that we relate to fatherhood and motherhood. Now, that's sweet in our culture, but that's defined differently in other cultures. Okay? So it's definitely culturally dependent what we mean by mother-father. And the other problem with mother-father and the reason why I, I, I encourage churches to eventually give it up is because we have people sitting out here who were abused by their mothers, who was abused by their fathers, and that brings up all that stuff. Now, if it brings it up and the person wants to heal through it, that's what we want to happen. But most of those people just go bye-bye. You know, they they just quietly disappear out the door. Okay, so thank you, God. When we refer to the vine as you, what are we implying besides separate? Outside, separate, and what else? Not me. That, that's, ev- that's separate, but that's even more potent. Not me. We're less than. Wow, you guys are good. You've been doing good work here. Less than. <laughs> okay? And God's a being, person, or entity. You don't say thank you to your boat, do you? Or to your chair. Well, you do. <laughs> you, you, you get my point, right? right? Okay. So I don't say thank you at all. What do you think I say? I'm grateful. That's it. I am grateful. That's all I say. And I'm not grateful to. If you came to the first service, I did a little riff on gratitude. We, 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 where, where I think we want to be ideally with gratitude is gratitude without condition, gratitude without an object, that we can learn to be gratitude without having a, an external reason. Okay? Gratitude without object, gratitude without condition. It's, we, wanted, we want to, to really live in that verity level, we want to live from a state that's not conditional to something external. That's what unconditional love is. That's what unconditional gratitude is. And ironically, the way we get there is making gratitude lists so we can feel what gratitude feels like. And then at another point in time, without the list, without thinking of anything external, just simply self-generate the awareness of gratitude. Now, at first, it might be a little difficult, and that's okay. You're learning, learning to be aware of the gratitude you naturally are, you see? Yes. And before they got out of bed, they would go to gratitude and just notice what it feels like in their body instead of doing the gratitude thing at first. Great. And do it the opposite way. So how many of you guys are doing that? Okay. It's a great practice, okay? Most people teach it the other way. Okay? And you can start you can do it the way you said because most of us are aware of what gratitude feels like that's conditioned. Okay? So I don't say thank you, God. 
in a prayer, and I don't address God. I don't say, dear God. I don't say, holy one. I don't say, father, mother, God. Why do you think I don't do that? Yes, exactly, exactly. There's not a God to pray to. There's only a Godness to pray from. Yes. No, they won't. You, you, you can shut off your ears now just for a minute. Okay, so come up here. Yeah, come up here. Okay. Do you, oh, first of all, do you have a prayer request? Does anybody have a prayer request? Come on up. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate my understanding of a unity prayer. I saw your hand come up first, Linda, so we're going to go with you. I just wanted one because she doesn't have one. She couldn't think of, she couldn't think of one, okay? Okay, so can you come up here? Here. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, you can. There we go. Okay, all right. So it's going to be hard for you to do this, maybe, but try to put yourself in the position of the person asking for the prayer, okay? They're simply making the prayer request. And as I say that, let me emphasize that it's my belief that the request of that person is already the most authentic prayer being stated at that moment. Do you hear that? Okay. The person, who, when they state that request, that is already into an effective prayer state. Okay. So, what's your prayer request? I request the complete healing of my knees, including the regeneration of the cartilage. All righty. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And prayer chaplain. Former prayer chaplain trainer. Okay. Okay, so have fun with this, will you? Okay. So I usually... If I'm standing, I'll ask to hold hands. And then just state your request again. My request is for the complete healing of my knees, including the regeneration of the cartilage. Okay, Linda, I'm going to invite you now, as we join together in prayer, to simply take a deep breath. And do it again. And as we breathe in and out, we relax and become still in this moment. We relax our bodies. We relax our minds. In a way, we let go of all the activity that brought us to this now moment as we relax. As we settle in, we turn our awareness to God. One power, one presence. Divine mind. God is. The divine is. And we know that the divine, the principle of God, is life, is wholeness, 
is health. And Linda, because at some level of your beingness, you are divine. We know that the very principle of life, the very principle of wholeness, the very principle of health is totally present in your beingness. Linda, you are life. You are wholeness. You are health. And together we join our minds to claim that for you here and now. We see life, wholeness, and health moving through every level of your being. Through every level of your being. We see it bringing every aspect of you into perfect alignment with the perfect principles of life, wholeness, and health. And the perfect idea of body. And we see that life, we see that wholeness, we see that health shining away. Any belief in lack or sickness. We see life, health, wholeness expressing in your knees and in the cartilage of your knees. And we see that wholeness, that life and that health moving forth in a magnificent way. And we feel the truth of that right now. And as we feel that truth, we are grateful. I am grateful. Join me in saying that. I am grateful. And so it is. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is there any swaying going on? Yeah, there was a little bit. Because it felt like a lot to me. Is there a, was I swaying? I'm drunk. Uh, <laughs> I'm drunk in the spirit. Because that's what it feels like to me when, and I've shared this with the prayer chaplains many times, that's what it feels like to me when I'm praying with somebody and i got to use the terminology that I know that that power is flowing through me that those words are not my words. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to amp it up that you are that power and those words are flowing from the truth of you with ease and grace. So when the words are flowing from the truth of me, that's when I feel the... I get hot. Yeah. And I start to move. It's better if I sit down, but... I'm going to sit down. Okay. Okay. So, so do you think someone would object to that? No. No, we don't tell them what we're doing. We just do it. Okay? And they will, they will relax in to your magnificent energy field. And it's, you know, here's, here's the crazy piece. In the most magnificent and beautiful loving way, in unity, we're always trying to meet people where they're at. Okay? And, and that's a sweet idea. And then we never bring them any further. You know? We keep meeting them where they're at. where they're, We never give them something to grow into. Okay? And... When I'm speaking to a group of people, 
I've given up a long time ago trying to meet you all where you're at. Because for every person, you're at a different BS. And for each person, there's a different adjacent possible. So my job, it, 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 it really was freeing for me, okay? Because I stopped trying to be nice and meet people where they're at and just try to express my understanding of this belief system as best I can. And then it's up to you what you do with it, okay? Now, if that's up to you what you do with it, I had a little t- growing space around that because I am passionate about this. Folks, I'm here today because I live and breathe and believe and use these truths, okay? Just to give you a little taste of my life. 1987, I was told I was going to be dead in two years. I had infected myself with HIV in a dental practice. Okay? Now, if you can remember back to 1987, two years, they gave me a lot of time to live. Okay? I am here today because of these principles. I was sued by the FDIC for $110 million. I tell you, I couldn't have met that without these principles. In 2009, my house caught fire. And I don't think I was more calm and centered. In fact, <laughs> oh, geez. When you really get this stuff, so a neighbor came up to me. Come here, come here, come here. This is great. So, so, so my neighbor came up to me and he said, Paul, Paul, what are you going to do? And I went, I think I'm going to redecorate. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? There was hardly any thought. I mean, it was just there, you know? You know, this is, this, this is all just raw material. It's raw material. It's ours to use. You know, I've been through lots of stuff. Just because I'm a minister doesn't mean stuff happens. And all the stuff that happens is not necessarily due to my own consciousness. Okay? Which is too... Everything that happens to me is not due to my own consciousness. Okay, because we have this new age idea that all the events in our lives are our personal responsibility. Get over it. <laughs> it's, we're not. Okay? However, you are responsible for how you experience it. You are responsible that when something does happen for you, asking, did I play a part in this? Because that can be very enlightening. Scripture says you will reap in fields... Where you sowed, right? Guess what scripture also says? You will reap in fields where you have not sown. So some of the crap that happens in our life is not our individual responsibility. It is our responsibility how to respond to it. And folks, some of the good that you reap is not your responsibility. And I think that's grace. You know, grace is traditionally thought of God bestowing on us some gift that we didn't deserve, basically, right? That's traditional grace. In unity, grace for me is when, I, when, when I'm going along, I'm, I'm clogging along, and my thinking is stinking, and I'm reaping benefits that if I just looked at my stinking thinking, I, I don't deserve. But I get it anyway, and I think I'm reaping from that collective field of consciousness where there's good sown there. 
And also, grace is our ability to change our mind in any moment. So, did I answer your question? You said uh, that you pray constantly. I am grateful. And I don't address God in prayer, and I don't um, thank God at the end of prayer. And let me say one more thing about prayer, and I write about this in my Point of Power book. Prayer is not so much about the goodies you get as it is about the goodness you realize you are. Okay? Prayer is not about the goodies you get. It's about the goodness you realize you are. Because each time you have a prayer request or a seeming prayer need, you turn to the truth of what you are. And every time you turn to the truth of what you are, you reinforce your awareness of that. Yes? Minister question. Well, that was one over there. So, one of the places that I get caught in prayer that's really big, I agree. Because you were at the 9 o'clock service, and in that 9 o'clock service, when you do the prayer service, it's different. You intentionally say, I feel, as opposed to you feel. Because I really want to get this clear. Yep. But at the end, when we're closing, I can say, we are grateful, or I am grateful. Why not say both? In fact, you did that. When, when the end of the sing, what are that singulars? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's not it's not black and white either or. And you're you're tuned in as the flow that you probably also have a sense. It just comes naturally which you use. However, I personally like the I form. That's related to this. I am that I am. Yes. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And just let me share and embarrass her a little bit. I don't think I've ever done a contemplative service that was so well done as this morning's. Yeah. It's really funny because I didn't know what to expect. I never do. But usually what the contemplative service is in most unity churches is it's just quieter. There's the same amount of prayer. There's the same amount of music. The message is done, but not with as much energy. In this service, there were actually experiential activity is what I would call it. Yeah, that. (laughs) Okay, so... um, Yes. We're getting there. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean about the good and the evil and where does bad come from and all that. Yeah, we're we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. It's such a big question that a lot sometimes we have to do these little stops along the way. And then I have these ooh shiny moments, you know, where I go, oh, let's go there for a minute. But I'll <laughs> we'll get back. Yes. Good. You could say out of her essence. Yes? Yep. Yeah, see, here's the deal. Uh, if let's say, let's say your prayer team decides to take this on. So you don't foist it on your congregation cold. What I would do over several months is I'd have the team practice with each other. And actually, 
brainstorm words you could use as synonyms. Okay? And then once you have them, have, you know, like your basket full of synonyms, well, then when you pray with somebody, each prayer can be more spontaneous and very different and not, not rote. However, when we first do it in practicing, it's a little chunky and it's, it's and, you know, not as smooth. Yeah, are, are you getting what I'm saying? And so you gotta, you got to, um, and it's really helpful to sit down and look at, so I'm, I'm a 12 powers crazy guy now, okay? And so I'll usually mention one of the 12 powers, okay? And so life is one of the 12 powers, and that's what I emphasize. Fillmore said two things about wholeness and health. One, he said they were an effect of life, and the other one, he said that they were divine ideas in and of themselves. So when, the, when, when there's a, he, a healing request, that's what I claim. Did you notice I didn't claim healing? Anybody notice that? Okay, because healing's the process. And so if I claim healing, what I'm asking for or claiming for that person is more of the healing process. Well, she doesn't want the healing process. She wants the end product, right? And so, so in, a, in a unity context, a prayer is about claiming something that is already true in the absolute. Yeah, well, see, here's what, ha- here's what happens. This is what happens with me. I never know when the prayer is going to end, okay? Because um, the, the steps are, if you want to write these down, relaxation, concentration. Re- I, I'll repeat them. Relaxation, concentration, meditation, which is really a time of silence, realization, and then to have an I-O-N word, appreciation, okay? And so, so you notice that with Linda, I talked about relaxation, and then concentration was really more centering in the awareness of, of the presence of God. In prayer, I'll tend to use the word God, okay? And so at the presence of God, and then I define God. You notice that? I didn't let it just be anything. And, and then I claimed what was true about God, Okay, this is, now we're in the realization step. I'm claiming what is true about God. Then I'm reminding Linda that she's God and claiming it for her. And I'm speaking that truth to I ha- until I have an inner click of knowing. Yes. Yes, yes. It's relaxation, concentration, meditation, realization, appreciation, okay? And one way I know if I've really gotten to realization is, is what the appreciation feels like. Because when I have that inner click of knowing, usually appreciation's there. I don't even have to think about it. I mean, there's just that sense of gratitude. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But, we, but the steps are training wheels, okay? Once you get the steps, I'm not thinking, okay, now I'm going to relax. Now I'm going to concentrate. Now I'm going to... However, that's how I started out. Yes. And it flows beautifully. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I'd like to also notice that the first three steps of the prayer process is meditation. Because our primary practice as unity students is meditation that gets you to the silence. 
That's our primary practice. Prayer is what we do as a result of our, our meditation time. But you can meditate without prayer, but you can't pray in a unity way without meditation. Okay? And if you're a long-term meditator, usually what happens, and this is true of me, I almost, I would say, 99% of the time, I only pray if I'm asked to pray. Because I believe that the state of the silence is a state of pure prayer. And so I'm, I'm rarely making requests or asking anything. Okay, there was, looked like there was a hand back here. Yes? Wise. What does that song mean to you? Yep. Yep. You had what I would put it into the box of a mystical experience. You see, we 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 want to make the mystical experience somehow different from the metaphysics. And the way in which it's different is only that there is no conscious decision making. You know, when I talk about metaphysics, these are things I consciously decide to use. But in mysticism, they just happen. And you see, we 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 ignore in a way. We say there's only one mind, and then we act like there isn't. Well, what do you mean by a miracle? Okay, in unity, that's what we mean. We mean a miracle is something that happens that's beyond our current understanding of divine mind and divine laws and principles, but that we could understand them, and instead of waiting for them to fall on us, we could then use that principle. So, so in a unity context, miracles happen, okay? But it's not like some divine, something divine giving you a gift it's your entering into the gift you already are. And so if there's only one mind in one presence, amazing grace is in that consciousness. And you were aware of it at that moment. And that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. How many of you have had experience of hearing a voice? Okay. Yes. Let me tell you a little story. A little quick. So, so um, in my age time frame, it wasn't this way. But now, all of our licensed unity teachers and ministers have to get a psych exam. <laughs> and when we first had them administered, people weren't doing well because one of the questions is, do you hear voices? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they had to learn that this was, this was part of our normal culture. However... For me, it may not be true for you, I began to become aware when I hear that voice, I call it the voice, it's still me. 
Okay? How many of you talk to yourself? Ego, ego, right? right? So why can't we talk to ourselves, capital S self, little s self? I believe that's what's happening. That's, that's the voice. And I'm just going about my life, and there it is. Uh, my, my former partner didn't like it much. <laughs> because I'll give you a quick story. So um, he and I raised birds together, and we were, we were going to get this bird that was like $500 cheaper than it should have been. And as I'm writing the check, the voice says a number much bigger than what the people were asking. And I don't question the voice anymore. I just write the check. And so we're driving home, and, and uh, Martin's going, wow, that was such a good buy. That's such a beautiful bird. And I said in a real small voice, not so much. <laughs> and so he says, it was that damn voice again, wasn't it? <laughs> and I said, yes, as a matter of fact, it was. And you know I don't question that voice. Yeah. And I don't think of it as something separate, though I kind of experience it as something separate. Okay, And I get great awarenesses from that. Okay? In fact, if you read uh, Point of Power, that's when the voice came clearest to me ever. In the beginning, uh, it was, it was wood, when I was in the process of dealing with the HIV most actively, I, I got a message. And it, and, and it went on and on and on. And it was all, it was all about choosing life and not death. I, the way I frame it is it's stimulated by my essence. Okay? It's stimulated by the truth of what I am. Because on one level, I mean, this, this model where we talk about Christ, divine idea, principle, this is all based on Fillmore's teachings that were more based on classical physics, where, there, where, where there, there's objects that act upon each other and cause and effect. Are you with me? And, and, it's, and it, it, that level makes this very useful. However, I believe that what we really are is this infinite field of potential and possibility. It has no shape, no form, not local, timeless, blah, 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 blah. And that, that we actually use its infinitude by, by limiting it. And so, did you notice the voice doesn't come in a foreign language? You know, you know, it doesn't come in a foreign language. It did? Well, now I, now I can't say that anymore. <laughs> I have to say, there was that lady in Colorado. Did you understand what it said? I understood the essence of it, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm wrong again. There you go. I'm not, I'm not going to deny you your experience. You had your experience. For me, it's always in English. And for me, it's always my voice. I can recognize it as my own voice. And honestly, I've had women say the voice is a male's, male voice. But, but what if, what if the woman hearing a male voice, their embedded theology is that God is male. And so in their internal ear, in order for it to be believable, they have to hear it that way. You see? The authority figure. The authority figure. Yeah. yeah. Whew, hands are everywhere. I don't know who goes next. Oh, wait a minute. You were, you were, yes. Hi. <laughs> so you ha- you're the one that hears the hermaphrodite. 
I've been waiting 30 years. <laughs> a hermaphrodite is a person who's born into a physical body that has both female organs and male organs. Yep. Oh, we'll go here. You've been, oh, wait, you've been, okay, and then you've been waiting too. So we'll go here and then there. No. Because Christ is a synonym for God. No. Yeah. No. 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 Jesus is the person. Okay. So this this happens in unity groups. Okay. And in a way, we were having this conversation. I mean, I'm kind of stuck with it. This some of this terminology, okay? But in, in unity theology, which we call metaphysics because we, we have an allergy to the word theology, okay? <laughs> so we call it metaphysics, okay? In unity metaphysics, Jesus is a man, okay, that was born where? Nazareth. Nazareth. Some people say Bethlehem. I love that. No, he lives, he was born in Bethlehem, he lives in Nazareth, yeah, yeah, okay. So he was a man, and over the course of his life, he realized there, there, there was that of him that was divine, and he learned how to live from that, and when he was living from that more purely, um, he was referred to as Jesus Christ, okay. But notice, folks, that name, Jesus Christ, didn't come until he... Decades after he died, okay? A good Jewish boy doesn't know the word Christos. You know what I'm saying? Because that Bible was written in Greek, okay? So that name, Jesus Christ, was given to him later in life, okay? And Christ means the anointed one. Well, you hear that sometimes, Jesus the Christ. And then, and then sometimes in the Bible, it's Christ Jesus. So Fillmore, liking to metaphysically interpret, Jesus got an ter- interpretation, Christ gets an interpretation, Jesus Christ gets an interpretation, and Christ Jesus gets interpretation. The basic idea to know is, is that, if that if that this is only oneness, in the oneness, there can't be an object called Christ, and there cannot be something called God, okay? And even more heretical, this God cannot create Christ because if this is by definition unchanging, if in the absolute there's a time when there's God and then God creates God's Son called Christ, you just change the absolute, okay? Okay, so it's all, I'm all about making this logical, okay? So these are synonyms, you know, and does anybody have a guess what the synonym was that Jesus used for Christ? Father. Father. The Father within. The Father within is what we call the Christ within, what you might call the essence within. It's okay. As long as you understand how you're using the words, excuse me, and if you're trying to communicate it to somebody else, that you're communicated in a way that makes that clear. Otherwise, you're doing this. 
Okay? So, so your job is simply to live it with it the way it is, if you like it, and that's fine. Or amp up your understanding of the Christ to this, to this understanding. Okay? If Christ for you is always Jesus, there's nothing wrong with that. Not a thing wrong with that. However, when they speak Christ in here, you're going to, you have to know that they're not meaning what you mean. That's all. Uh, actually, you had a question. Okay, so I never spoke about organizations. Okay, and and that okay. So, first of all, first first and foremost, this is a metaphysical romp about you, the point of power. Okay, it's about you. And what the ego likes to do is spin off and talk about them because if I talk about them I don't have to deal with me okay Eric Butterworth said something very profound do you everybody know who Eric Butterworth he was one of our probably our best writer in the 60s 70s and 80s he said our job is not to make people right it's to see them rightly Okay, so our job is to see people rightly. Okay? When I talk about collective consciousness, I'm talking about um, each of us is that. Actually, a poor diagram of it would be this. And I say poor because I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to show you how it really is, and you'll see why it's a problem. So we each have our seeming individual consciousness, right? So that's that. That seems to be in collective consciousness, and this is in absolute consciousness. That's the way it seems to be, okay? And that as I raise my consciousness, I affect this, and this affects me back, okay? And I believe when we meditate, we actually do this. Okay, I go to here. I'm in the silence. I'm not informing this at all. Because this, this doesn't need to be informed. This is the infinite field of potential. It's when I come back out, I have, for lack of a better word, the influence of it. So equally, if I lower consciousness, I lower this consciousness too. Okay? And this is made up of the good, the bad, and the ugly in consciousness, just as I have good, bad, and the ugly here. Okay? Even so, wh- where, where is our work? Where do I work? Where do you work? The only place you can do your work is here. The only place you can do your work here, and you can only work on what you're aware of. I have a law. 
I'm only responsible for what I'm aware of. Because I can't be responsible for that which I'm not aware of. And there's a lot I'm not aware of in the collective consciousness. And there's a lot I'm not aware of in the subconscious mind. I become aware of what's in here, not because of what's in there, but because the effects I experience in my awareness. Much like if you look outside through a window and you see the wind blowing, well, you don't see the wind blowing, you see trees moving. So the trees moving are evidence of wind, but you don't directly see the wind. Do you see that? And so I could have, so one of our jobs is, is being awake in our conscious awareness. And just to give you a, uh, see an example, so I meet somebody for the first time, and I have a strong response to them. Now, there's no reason for that, no logical reason for that strong response, right? I just, I don't know this person, but I'm, I'm reacting like crazy. That's like the tree I see through the window tells me there's wind. My overreacting tells me that there's something here. 